All right, our text, Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 25 through 29. You know, as you're looking there, America needs men of faith who work and they don't cower before world opinion. Knowing this, the believer stands regardless. Now, I'm not making a, an, a, 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 a speech for our president, okay? I'm not doing this right now. But love him or hate him, one thing about it, he doesn't back down. He stands on whatever it is. He stands on it. Now, sometimes I want to see if I can get a private audience with him to say, watch your language, boy. You know, but uh, I guess I can't do that. But nonetheless, uh, I wish Christians had that kind of, that, that kind of commitment, that kind of courage of the idea of this is what we believe and I'm going to stand by it regardless. And so uh, say what you want to. Say all those bad things. Say it. It's all right. We're on the victory side. Now, eternity will be more than worth it all. Romans 8.18 says that the sufferings of this present time. Well, you don't know what people say about us. We witness. We talk about it. We have these standards and all that. People think we're crazy. Uh, the sufferings of this present time, that's really not much in the way of suffering. See an Apostle John boiled in oil, and you kind of have an idea of what suffering's about. Seeing people fed to the lions for having that testimony, you'll see what suffering is about. Seeing slow, dying tortures, or being sawn in half while you're still living, then that's torture. And yet those people that died that way for the name of Christ, for the witness they held. Isn't it interesting that in the uh, book of Revelation, a few times you see that they were put to death for the witness they held in the word of God. For the name of Jesus they were put to death. But they had a witness, they had a testimony for the testimony they held in the word of God. They didn't cower, and yet those cruel sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. In the days of Noah, uh, there was, in many ways, far more trouble because preachers cower to the latest fad. Parents don't teach their children morals in the home. God's word is not taught. And usually in the home, if we tell the kids, okay, that's it, I've had it with you, go to your room, take your iPad, your computers, your entertainment things, and go in there, you're grounded to your room. And they wanted to go there anyway, they didn't want to sit out there with you. And that's the day that we live in, preachers are supposed to be watchmen. You know what a watchman does? He stays up at night, and he watches for the enemy trying to sneak in. 
You know, sin, the devil, is always associated with darkness. Preachers are supposed to be watchmen, watching for the darkness to warn the people of God. When Hebrews chapter 13 says, they watch for your souls, it means to say, oh, Brother Gary messed up. Oh, Brother Bill, oh, well, you got to get on to him. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's looking at what's on the outside, what's trying to get in, what's trying to uh, attack the lives of Christians. How Satan is deceitful. The darkness of sin and deceit. And a pastor, preachers, we're called to be watchmen. And in the like manner, and that watch for your souls, because that's what's going to affect. That's why you see a, a contemporary movement that has done so much damage in this day that we live in. And by the way, if our numbers were to dwindle down to 10, and I hope it doesn't, but if it ever dwindled down to 10, it would never, never, never be worth selling ourselves out to the contemporary. I'm not for sale, and I'm not going to sell my God. So our text is Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 25 through 29. I have heard what the prophets said, that prophesied lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesied lies? Yea, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor. As their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal or Bell, if you wish to say it that way, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Seems like he's emphasizing a difference. They that have a dream, and they that have my word, do it faithfully. You see, when you have the word, you have much more than a dream. Much more than a dream. What is the chaff to the wheat, said the Lord? Is not my word, all oh, this is an important verse. All of them are important, but no, this really stands out to me. Is not my word like as a fire with the Lord, as saith the Lord? And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Oh, the power of the word of God, because the Holy Spirit breathed out every word to the, the writers who wrote it. And so in every word, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Proverbs chapter 30 tells us, every word of God is pure. So with that thought tonight, looking at more than a dream, let's have a word of prayer, then we'll go into our message. Father, 
As we look at this day and the day we live, Lord, your word is still pertinent. Your word is still the most important thing to guide the Christian in day-to-day living. So, Lord, I pray that we'll see from your word the truth of God, the person of Christ, the person who gave himself for us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts through thy word tonight, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. I've heard preachers over the years say you need to have a dream of what God can do. And I guess there's some idea there that may be good. I've seen uh, preachers that get up, now folks, get a dream. See what God can do. Get a dream, get a dream, get a dream. And and really, uh, I think I have an understanding of what they're saying. I, I think of charismatics. That's, they said they had dreams. And through those dreams, God gave them a prophecy. Well, you know, there's no new prophecy today. So uh, you better think about it. where did they get that from? They said, oh, God revealed to them this special thing. But most often when you see that, it's just like we just read about the dream and then those that have the word. Their dream is lacking in biblical content. Many times even those that are fundamental say, you've got to learn to have a dream. It will eventually end up exalting themselves more than it will the word of God and the way that we should go. And so we need to understand that uh, when we're looking at the Word of God, we're looking for direction. The, the direction that we see must come from the Word of God. Truth. Thy Word is truth. The truth of God is only fulfilled in faith as we follow the Word of God. As we're led by the Holy Ghost, we study and we meditate in the Word of God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, the Word of God shows us ourselves and shows us the way to go. It's the Word of God through which we get directions. And it's the Holy Spirit of God within us that gets us there. The Holy Word of the Lord, as we walk with Him, the Holy Ghost will never, never, never lead you contrary to the Word of God. No matter what, He will never lead you contrary to that. If something you have contradicts the Word of God, then you'll know that thing. Whether it's a dream that sounds good, it's an idea that you just stumbled on, you say, man, this is what we've got to do. Don't you know as fundamental works across this land that once were the things, I mean, we, we've talked about old Tennessee Temple, Highland Park, about 3,000 members there, you know, you'd see in, in the church services and preaching the word of God just as it is to men as they are, and other churches around the country that were as that way. They started losing everything and Whatever hirelings took over, suddenly, instead of 
standing regardless of the attack. I said, well, now this is what we've got to do to keep them. This is what we've got to do to win them. If you're not bringing them to the holiness of Christ, you haven't won anything except you're robbing God of souls that he's brought to your life. Yes, the Holy Ghost never leads contrary to the word of God. And if it does contradict, then it's not the voice of God. Psalms 138.2 says that he has exalted his word even above his name. That's important. It's the word of God that he gave us, that he breathed out every word for men to know him more personally, to have an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God to the point that they know him and they enter into that deep personal knowledge and relationship with him. In this matter, you grow to delight in the presence of the Lord and you'll know that inner sweetness of walking with God himself. You know, just kind of like a side note here. You got married. You remember back when you got married? You really knew that person inside and out, didn't you? No, about two months later you said, what did you do with that guy? What did you do with that girl? That's not the person I married. As I've said many times from this pulpit, love is a choice. It's not something that overwhelms you. But if you have a love like Christ loves with, you never abandoned it for trials and troubles. You stay true to it. No matter what comes forward. You know, in marriage, we give a, we give a vow till death do us part. Many times we stop right there. Well, I'll never get a divorce. But that was the whole part of the vow. It was says to love, honor, and cherish till death, death do us part. You quit loving that spouse. You quit honoring that spouse. Something's wrong. But you know what? I'm using that only as an example because we get saved, man. I'm saved from hell. I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from all this. But, but, it's so easy Start turning back to the things of the world and the things of before you were saved. It's so easy to start becoming carnal. It's so easy to begin to ignore the Word of God on a daily basis. It's so easy to begin to ignore walking with Him. No, though He will never leave you nor forsake you, you'll find out that in your Christian life, although you're saved, saved for certain, saved forever, that relationship as Christ's bride, the beloved of our soul, begins to hurt. And it's our actions that rob us of the joy 
that he wants us to have. And that's what happened in Israel. That's what happened here. That's why the word of God is so important to every, every, every believer. The word of God is so important to you. It tells us about the Lord. It tells us about life. It tells us about eternity. It tells us about the very person of God. We worship God. But he gave, he breathed out a word and preserved it so that we would have it. He exalted that word above his name so that we would love that name. And he gave us his word to do it and his Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 16, verses uh, through chapter 4, verse 4. All scripture, all. You know what all means? It means all. So that means not part, just most of it. No, it means every bit of the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. You've heard me say many times that means it's God breathed. God breathed means as you talk, you're breathing out. As you talk, you're not breathing in. No, you're breathing out. Why? Because that's why we talk. That's why he uses the word inspiration. That means God breathed. Every word is breathed out. All Scripture was breathed out by the Holy Ghost of God to holy men, as Second Peter chapter one tells us. If they weren't holy men, he would not have breathed out to them because he couldn't have trusted them to write it word for word, or they might have tried to add to it. They might have been critical and developed critical text of it, but no, they wrote it down just as it is. Every word of God he gave to it. I, I, I said in theology classes where the professor said, now God just so ordained and guided their mind, and he allowed their personalities to write what should be the word of God. No, he breathed out every word, and I still believe the Bible on that. Every word of God is pure. If it depended upon my personality or anything else, we would not have a pure word of God. It is pure. Now, having said that, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Oh, he's got a purpose here. He has a purpose. This is how he wants what does he want out of that word of God? It's profitable for doctrine. Okay, we need to study to know doctrine. In other words, what the Bible teaches. That's what doctrine is. It's what the Bible teaches. Okay, look, you cannot be too dogmatic in the word of God. Too dogmatic is a creation of Satan. Say, oh, you're too dogmatic. Now, you've got to kind of back away from that. No. You can never get too much of the Word of God. And you'll never exhaust the Word of God in your meditation of it in this lifetime. You won't even exhaust what's there in eternity. And so it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We're supposed to use the God, Word of God for those things as well. Some people like to correct you. Some people like to reprove you. Some people like to instruct you, but make sure it's from the Word of God. That the man of God may be perfect, that is mature, completed, thoroughly furnished 
unto all good works. The word of God is what furnishes us to do good works. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you need the word of God because that's what's going to furnish you to do that good work. If you're a bus worker and you have a bus ministry, the word of God furnishes you to do that good work. If you sing in the choir, the word of God furnishes you to do that good work. Whatever it is, the word of God furnishes you. You say, well, you know what? I, I don't have anything I'm doing in the church right now. You have a job. Yeah, I'm a painter. Uh, yeah, I'm a salesman. Uh, yeah, I, I work in a factory. Well, the Lord put us here as lights in the world. The word of God furnishes you to be a light in the world. You've got to have it all. And so again, he says, uh, there he says, uh, furnish unto all good works. Then he goes on to the next chapter. I charge thee therefore before God, when he says, I charge you, I'm giving you this command right now. As a result of the word of God being God-breathed, as the word of God being profitable for all these things, I charge you, therefore, I'm giving you this command right now before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that we'll, each of us, as saved people, be called into an account. Now, that, Timothy, is written to a, a young pastor, but it's for all of us. But especially the young pastor, any pastor needs to take heed to that. Any preacher. Okay? And so therefore, he says, I charge thee therefore before the Lord, uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're going to be called into an account for this. Who shall judge? See, there's the judgment aspect of it. That's why it is about that in accountability. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? What is the command? Preach the word. Well, when do we do that? Be instant in season and out of season. In other words, all time. But how? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Base everything on the word of God. But why? Next verse, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. What is that saying to us? <laughs> they get tired of standards. They get tired of the standards of the word of God, of sound doctrine, of, of, of holiness and righteousness. That's where your contemporary movement has blossomed so much. You got tired of that. They get tired of, of those, that music that praises God and instead of just pleasing the flesh and making my flesh feel good. Some of the same music they used to, uh, with Jesus' names to it that has that rock beat is the same kind of music that's used to use the words that praise the devil and the things of evil. Why? Because in both cases, it applies to the flesh, beat-driven music. Uh, hey, you think beat-driven music is new? No, it's not. When they were offering babies to ball on the, that altar, a fiery altar, living babies, they had a strong beat-driven music to get that. How did Nebuchadnezzar get these people to bow down besides being threatened with their life? There's some music made them do things that they normally wouldn't have done. Moses and Joshua are coming off the side of the mountain. And Joshua says, uh, hey, there, there's, there's music down there. It sounds like the sound of war. Uh, why would he say war? 
battle drums, the beat of the battle. Basically, Moses saying, no, that's not war drums, that's partying. How'd they get to that party atmosphere? They brought in music that was not godly music, and that's how they acted. The Bible says they danced, they took off clothes and everything else, but hey, do you realize that they did that in the name of Jehovah? So did that make it right? Well, God said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to just go ahead and kill them all now, and I'll just make a new nation out of you. He says, please don't do that, Lord. He, he interceded for them. It's a good thing that he did. Doing it in the name of God doesn't make it right. Never does it make it right. And so, as we've looked into our text, and we see this, he says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, that is their own fleshly desires, will they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears that make me feel good and make it all right. In other words, they're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, as Jude 4 spoke of these last days. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Fables? Their dreams. Oh, I had a dream. Oh, I know what God is going to do. I have this dream. Well, give me God's word. Just give me God's word. And so, we see that those are things that happen. Now, if you go back to our text and look again, right there, at that 29th verse, he says, Is not my word as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? And then look down at verse 32. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness, yet I sent them not, nor commanded them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. They got away from the word. Look, I've had people preach here. I've seen churches that were, boy, that preacher preached right down the line. He told it just as it is. But now all of a sudden, it seems like all those things they preach are the standards. They preach from the Word of God. They laid it out from the Word of God. All of a sudden, that's wrong. Why? Well, we've got new revelation, evidently. And so what do they do? They, they try to justify. In other words, they take God's grace, and no longer is God's grace holy. God's grace is now something that is fleshly. And they always apply this liberty Instead of what it was from God's word, liberty from being free from the power of sin and the flesh to be holy and righteous, now it's freedom to fulfill the less desires from the works of the Holy Spirit instead of Him. You're free to do this now. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, the Bible describes it. And so... As that happens, 
I've seen, I've seen preachers, I've seen preachers, I've had them here, I've had, I've had youth directors, I've had others here that, that had strong standards. Now they're contemporary. They, they're in other things. You say, well, why is that? I don't know, except they got their eyes off the Word of God, off the Lord. Look, the question I have usually when somebody does that is this. They were that way then, and this is the way they are now. Were they a fraud then, or are they a fraud now? You know, you can't have it both ways. So it comes back to what is the truth in their heart and life? It must be all based on the Word of God. No, faith isn't your work to earn salvation or reward, but rather it is acting on God's Word in line with God's specific will for your life. Whether we realize it or not, we don't need a dream. We need to follow the Word of God because we find out that we are, <clears throat> excuse me, His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He already has the works for us to do. Why do we got to try to create something that's not in the Word of God? We've got it for us. The Holy Spirit is the power behind the Word of God. See, we live in an instant society. You've got chocolate. You can pour and put in milk. You know, take that powder and put it in milk, stir it up, man, you got chocolate milk. I like that. Coffee tastes bad, whether it's the real stuff or it's instant. So that's, that's, I don't have any problem with being separate from coffee. <laughs> but hot tea, I like hot tea. But I got to admit, instant tea is not as good as the real tea. But we have this instant society that everything has to be satisfied right now. Everything has to be satisfied right now. Everything has to be taken care of right now. we got to do these things right now. Well, let me tell you something. If that's the way you think about prayer, that's the way you think about life, that's the way you think about living for Christ, well, boy, I stepped up for the Lord, but people criticized me, and people left me, and people did this, and, and now my family won't have anything to do with me. But listen, listen, listen. Sometimes God allows those things because it proves whether your faith is genuine or not. You can't turn, and usually, I tell you, because it pulls at your heartstrings. When it's your own family, it might be your own children, it might be uh, your spouse or whatever. You can't turn and sacrifice the Word of God, the standards, the directions of God's Word for that. But you can pray for them. You know what? If I compromise the standards, my prayers would be no good for my family. But if I stick with it, God's going to work in their lives. And they still have a free will, so they can reject what God's trying to do, but He will make their life miserable and it may take a while, but God will work. You stick to it. Just stick to it. Do what's right. Yes, we should do, live, and grow in the knowledge of Him and of His Word in order to know the mind and will of God. 
in order to faithfully fulfill it. We talk about people who are men of faith, women of faith. To be quite honest with you, you're not a man or a woman of faith if you don't live by the word of God. Usually what they mean is that person's a religious person. But if there are parts of God's word that you will compromise, you're, you're not a person of faith. You're a person of religion. God is first or he's not. You remember the old saying, we, we still hear it from time to time today, not like we used to years ago. I guess uh, this sounds funny, but I started liking the Green Bay Packers. Now, I haven't watched a game. They've been on TV, I understand, but I haven't watched a game. They took a knee in my flag. I'm taking a knee on them. Okay. But I actually have somebody here in the church bought me a, a share, ownership share of the Green Bay Packers. I'm an NFL owner. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything, but I'm an NFL. I don't get any money out of it, but hey, I'm an NFL owner. And the Packers, I started liking them in 1959. It was the first year Vince Lombardi was their coach. They didn't win a championship that year, but I started liking them because I was a baseball fan. And at that time, Milwaukee Braves played in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was a big Milwaukee Braves fan. And so when all my brothers were liking the Cleveland Browns and football, I said, well, wait a minute, I got to get a football team. I found out Green Bay was in Wisconsin. I'd never been to Wisconsin. To that point, I, it wasn't until my youngest son went to college up there that I was ever in Wisconsin. And so what I'm saying is, is that I didn't choose them because I thought they were great. I chose them because they lived in the same state that the Milwaukee Braves were in. But when I chose to like them, I didn't quit. Now look, Green Bay had, a few, had some great years under Vince Lombardi. After that, they say this is the truth. NFL coaches used to threaten their players, if you don't improve, if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to trade you to Green Bay. They did. About every year, you could count on Green Bay to have one of the first draft choices in the first five at least. They were terrible. And it went like that for years after Lombardi was gone. But I never left. I, I, I followed them all the way. Why? Because as a kid, I didn't understand that it was a commitment. But I decided if you go with something, you stick with it. Okay. But one of the things, because it was Vince Lombardi, I would read things that he'd say. And he'd tell his players, it, it was written in several places, God's first, your family's second, then football or your job is last. Matter of fact, I read that players who became successful businessmen after they left Green Bay said that he taught us more about life than he did football. But it was the idea, God first, your family's second. And a lot, all of a sudden you started hearing that being preached in church. God first, your family second. But actually, Christ is to be all in all. Christ is all in your faith, your worship. Christ is all in your family. Christ is all in your job. You're put as a light on the job for Christ. You're put as a light in your family to teach them the, in the way that they should go. 
Christ is about our worship in church. We're talking about faith here. Real faith is that Christ is all in all and he's provided me a book that he might be my all in all. And he's provided me his Holy Spirit that I might follow him as my all in all. Yes? We are saved by one who loved us and shed his blood for us. His holy word affects every area of our life if we allow it. Every area. Many times we don't know that because we haven't grown in the knowledge of God's word. Really, we haven't really grown much at all in the knowledge of God's word. Sometimes we read a a devotional, that took about five minutes, so if I read that, I'll get that. And I, hey, I had a devotional. Hey, I'll read, I'll read this chapter, or maybe I'll read this many verses. I'm not talking about the number of chapters or verses that you read. You can read a whole book of the Bible. Yeah, Jude. Uh, but then, not think about it anymore the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Well, no matter what book of the Bible it is, it didn't do you any good. Although it was good that you read it. Perhaps some of those things will stick with you, but if you don't stay, keep it in your heart and mind, eventually you don't have it to rely on because you don't remember what it was about. I found sometimes just reading and thinking on some things I read that morning, sometime during the day, God brings somebody to my life so that that very thing applies to what they're talking to me about. <laughs> it makes them think I'm smart, and I got to tell them, well, no, that's really God's word, it's not me. But why? Because you stay in the word of God. That's not set aside for preachers, that's set aside for every one of his children. If you're saved, you're a child of God. Okay. I've had people that were new believers just got excited about it and got in the Word of God, was reading and thinking on it, and they've come and said, you know, the Bible says this right here. I, I was reading that. Could that mean this? I looked at it. Try to remember the context there and say, and as I'm looking at that, I might say to them, yeah, that's exactly what it means. That's good. That's good. Appreciate you sharing that with me. And then say, walk away. I'm saying, Lord, how many times have I read that and I missed it? You see, there are things that the Spirit of God reveals to you that a preacher can never reveal to you. All we can do is preach the Word. And so, we grow in the knowledge of Him and His Word in order to know the mind and will of God and in order to faithfully fulfill it. We're not redeemed with corruptible things. So don't try to worship him or serve him in a corruptible way. Oh. Look at what happened to Israel in the Old Testament. Things they did by turning to the world still affects them to this very day. 
when they wanted to fulfill the flesh in their life, in their daily life. You have to have a dream? Not really. Well, what if I dream about what God can do? No. I just need to know what His Holy Spirit will do in me and through me. I just got to believe God and let Him work and realize it takes time. It takes time. But God will do it in you if you let him. But hey, it takes commitment. Some people read their word, the word at night. Some read it in the morning. I read it in the morning because I find it's better for me as I go throughout the day to think on what I read that morning. If I sleep on it, I know me, I'll forget it by morning. I'm at the age now where I forget five minutes ago. So we can forget it by not meditating on it. You know, that's where we forget is just by not meditating on it, thinking on it. How does this apply to my life? What should I get from it? Don't be satisfied with, hey, I have a daily devotion, so I'm fine. How's your life growing in the Lord? What's been accomplished in your life? Do you have joy from what you pick up from the Word of God? Do you have awareness of, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, i got to get on this. Does it give you a burden for souls for whom Christ died because He's trying to use you to Work with those souls. One of the greatest blessings of this school year for our OCA has been that we're seeing not only more souls saved than we have in the last, I don't know how many years, but we're seeing so many of our faculty and staff and administrators getting more involved in in the lives of these kids. Are there troubles? Yes. That's why they're there. They're there to help those kids through those troubles, help them get right with God. I, I can tell you right now, there have been people we should have kicked out. That's usually every year. So, well, why didn't you kick that person out? Because that's the soul that we think that we can help if God will work through us and they'll open their heart to it. This is ministry. This is ministry. And God wants to use us. God wants to use us. That's great. Hey, radio ministry. We've heard of people getting saved through our radio ministry. The Brother Joe uh, Carpenter said, hey, I can put a Q4, take that plan of salvation off the website and put it right there to it that's, that you've written a book for, you know, the booklet. You know, I, I was looking today, I says, I'm probably going to have sometime this week order another 500. I've already ordered 1,000, and we've about gone through them. People are giving them out, but we're starting to hear from it. 
Whereas we tell people, don't quit on your walk with God. Don't quit seeking to know him more. Now, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but I still have a page and a half to go, and I see the time. And the way I preach, you would be here to about 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or later. And I hate it when people snore when I'm preaching. So, not next Sunday night. Brother Reuben's going to be preaching next Sunday night, and I am looking forward to that. I really am. Boy, the teenagers are taking off because they've committed themselves to really doing something there. We're seeing numbers that are wonderful. That's not putting anybody down. I'm just saying God is using them, and it's not just the numbers. It's just how they're affecting souls. I mean, you can get numbers having a rock band in there but you won't affect souls. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to hopefully two weeks from tonight finishing this sermon. But for right now, what I want to say to you is this. What's your relationship with the Lord as a Christian if you're saved? Is it growing? question I've got to answer, and I trust each of us of Christians would need to answer. How much more intimately do I know my Lord than I did when 2020 began? One would have thought when the pandemic hit and so many people were at home I, I hear it reported all the time now that many churches went down and once they opened doors, they didn't go back up except for the first Sunday or two, but people got so used to being at home, they didn't want to come back to church. In a time in which they had many hours to spend at home and get closer to God, they got further away, more concerned about themselves than they were their relationship with Jesus Christ. I want America to have revival. I want to have a great evangelistic revival. But it can't happen until there's a revival in the churches. There can't be revival in churches until there's revival in Christians. One of those first steps is the Word of God being so important in our life because we want to know Him all the more. We really do. Is that true? Where are we in our walk with God? What has He given us just this week that we could share with someone else? Boy, this was a blessing to me. Does that mean that if you read every day that there was nothing in the Word that you could share with another? What has God given you? What has God given me?
You see, the purpose is to draw closer to Jesus Christ. And boy, that's great. Because when we do, and we resist the devil, guess what the devil does? He flees from us. But if we let up, he doesn't stay away. If we let up, he doesn't stay away. He'll come back and attack again. Resist the devil. Walk with the Lord. Be strong in the power of his might. Let's bow our heads.